swept again. The Detroit Tigers are swept by the Chicago White Sox in Chicago. That officially makes them 30 games under 500, and they have lost seven games straight. Uh, there have been a plethora of stats released out on the internet about how really bad this team is this season, and we're going to talk about it today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Bentley. Today is Monday, August 15th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get gas, including YouTube. Okay, Tigers dropped three games this weekend uh, in a three-game set against the South Side. Yeah. Uh, a lot of really, really bad play. This was a pretty pathetic weekend, to be honest with you. This was really brutal. Very difficult to watch. Uh, this offense continues to be one of the worst things uh, I've ever seen. The We talked about at, uh, at the end of last week how the road numbers for this team are some of the worst in the history of baseball, if not just straight up the worst in the history of baseball. Um, since scoring nine runs off the Rays in a game w- in which Shane McClanahan started, their run totals now are 0-2-2-3-0-4-3. When they scored four runs... On Saturday, that was the first time that they had scored more more than three in an entire. (laughs) It just goes on and on, really. There are so many stats. There was one on Twitter. uh, I found it, but uh, it was not myself. Um, But somebody on Twitter put out there that the Tigers and Aaron Judge, I think, have the same amount of home runs since the All-Star break. Um, or, or at least maybe they did Castro home run at the end of the game there. It's 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 just brutal. They're, they're not drawing walks. We talked about at the end of at the end of the show last week how this team just doesn't draw walks. I think they had three on Friday, and then after that, it was pretty. It was it was pretty brutal the rest of the weekend. Didn't have any on Sunday. I know. Five total, there you go, uh, on the weekend and zero on Sunday. It's just nothing is going right. The approach is terrible. Uh, They don't hit for power at all. They have two home runs. They have a seven-game losing streak. Two home runs in that seven-game losing streak. Two. Two home runs in the last week of baseball as a team for the Detroit Tigers. Two. It was one until Harold went Yabo at the end of the game on Sunday. Just embarrassing stuff, man. And it's 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 not getting any better. <laughs> it's not like we have like crazy reinforcements on the way. It's I have a hard 
hard time believing that in mid all game is just gonna have the 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 switch flipped. Like it's this is just it is what it is. This is the team this year. And Javi had a good weekend, and and we have to watch him do all like the antics with the crowd. Do you guys remember? Okay. Pistons fans, do you remember? By the way, I'm also the the Pistons banner. If you're watching on YouTube, in like in a day or two. All right, I promise I didn't just forget the stones. They're uh, they're on the way. And then I'll have all four banners behind me. Did some did some cleaning up and finally got this uh, little mini studio thing to go in. Um, the Detroit Pistons. I want to say it was th- three or four years ago now. Played a game in which they were losing by easily 30 points. It might have been 40. They were getting throttled. And Andre Drummond had a put-back dunk, dunk, and he turned around and shushed the crowd in a game in which, like, in the third or fourth quarter, they were down easily, like, 20, 30 points. That's what this entire weekend felt like with Javi Baez. It, it just, I, I have not seen one single Tigers fan that was like, like super pumped and happy antics this weekend, which sucks because if the team was good, we would love this dude. And if he was crushing the ball and if the team was, was 500 or better and like in mix for the wild card and Javi was having an all-star season, like the, this, this city would love this dude. Love him. He he would really carry the Detroit versus everybody thing really well. But unfortunately, he has an OPS in, in the mid-low 600s. He leads baseball in errors. I don't think he's worth a single win, according to fan graphs. I think he's at like 0.8 war, 0.9 war. And the team is 30 games under 500. So unfortunately... The antics, I don't care for him. He's doing like the stand on second base, like shoulders shrug and like the arms out, like I am great and like pump up the crowd, like let me hear the boos. We just got swept and scored seven runs in three games. We got shut out once. I I don't... And like he he did, he played well, (laughs) like... Like, he, he played well, but, I, I mean, and this is not a, a fresh new, t- like, everybody w- with or without a platform, just like every every Tigers fan that, that you have seen has shared this sentiment, uh, or at least a vast majority. I don't want to speak for everybody. I don't want to speak for 100% of people, but a vast majority of people are, are, are just like, what are you doing, man? Just a brutal weekend. And the pitching wasn't that bad. Gave up two runs in the opener, the series opener, uh, since on Saturday, five runs on Sunday. Uh, with, with the patchworky bullpen, at, not bullpen, rotation rather, that this team has, uh, you can't go really go into a series expecting too much better than like 2-6-5. In Cleveland, they had 2-2-4. Two, two, or sorry, five three four, that we scored two two three. 
They had five, three, four. Like around there is is about as good as you can expect. And yet, this is one of the worst offenses we have ever seen. So it just doesn't matter. And that's not me being dramatic. We've we've talked about the stats, right? Like this is legitimately one of the worst offenses in in, in recent modern baseball memory. It's atrocious. They, they, they can barely hit the ball out of the infield. There's no power. They don't draw walks. They struck out 14 times on Sunday. Pretty sure they struck out 40-ish times for the series. And before this weekend, they had struck out, I think, 50 times in the last four games leading up to this weekend. We talked about on Friday's show. It's just, it's unbelievable. Okay, Let, let's talk about the games themselves. There is some good pitching performances to go over. Um, there is some offensive stuff we need to talk about, but I, I just wanted to start the show with, again, for the millionth time, reiterating how unprecedented and, and how just ridiculous this team's performance has been. That's seven straight losses. And you have not scored more than four runs in a game in now eight days. Unreal. All right. Let's get into the actual games themselves. We will talk about it first, though. Got to tell you all about our friends over at LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes in LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond and and be a part of the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questioning make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Why Small Business rates LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn a week? Well, now you do. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. To post your job for free. (laughs) I lost my spot there. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back here to segment two at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Detroit Tigers drop three games to the Chicago White Sox, losing streaks at seven. Friday's game, they lost two to nothing. Uh, This was a really brutal offensive performance, and Daniel Norris started this game for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Michael Kopech went six innings and actually got pulled in the middle of a no-hitter. He went six innings, zero hits, zero runs, three walks, however, and 11 strikeouts. So here's the thing that's been a reoccurring theme all season. A, this team can't hit, period. But B, and more importantly, they cannot hit fastballs. And that's a problem. That's like where you start. That's the fundamentals, the, the early stages 
of how you become a good and talented offense is you, you, you hit fastballs and you especially hit fastballs down the middle and like belt high that area. Michael Kopech threw 56 of his 85 pitches were four seam fastballs and take a wild guess at how many the Detroit Tigers put in play. He threw 56 four seam fastballs. The average velo on him was under 96 miles an hour. It's solid, but it's not like, oh my goodness, how can anyone be expected to catch up to it? They put two, two four-seam fastballs in play. 56 times it was thrown. It got fouled off nine times. Two times it was put in play. I want you to take a moment and really understand how unbelievable that, that stat is. That shouldn't be possible. This is a major league baseball team. They get paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to hit baseballs for a living. That's their job. They do it all day, every day for months on end. This is a straight pitch. This is a four-seam fastball. They put two in play. The CSW percentage, called strikes plus whiffs percentage, on the four-seam fastball was 50%. 50. As a whole, his CSW percentage was 45% in the outing. 50% on the four-seam fastball. That means that of his 56 four-seams thrown, half of them were either swing and misses or they were called strikes in the zone. He had 17 whiffs and 11 called strikes on the four seam alone. And the game as a whole, he had 22 whiffs and 16 called strikes. That is one of the most OP, just dominant. I'm not even sure the other team is playing the same sport as you or qualifies as a major league baseball team. Stat lines I've ever seen in my life. I want to really drive home how unbelievable what I just read you is 56 four seam fastballs. Two were put in play and half of them were strikes. If you conclude the nine fouls, well over half for strikes. Truly unbelievable. Lopez comes in, gives up a hit, ends the combined no hitter bid. Every single person that pitched for the White Sox had at least one strikeout. Uh, Kendall Graven gave up a hit and Liam Hendricks did also give up a hit. Um, yeah, un- un- uncompetitive. I-, I mean, I, I, it's only a two nothing loss and it was completely uncompetitive. This offense looked lost, lost at the plate. They could not hit four seam fastballs in the strike zone. It wasn't like a ridiculous paint performance by Kopech. He was solid. I'm not trying to discredit him. I mean, this is a, a ridiculous performance, right? But it wasn't like he was painting everything and setting everything up and, and everything. He threw six changeups and five curveballs. <laughs> like you knew, the, he threw the four seam 66% of the time. Two of every three pitches were four seam fastballs and you couldn't hit them. It's embarrassing. There's no other word for it. It's embarrassing. Daniel Norris started this game for the Tigers. He went four and two-thirds, four hits, two walks, one K. Uh, I, I mean, he didn't give up any runs. I'll say, I, I guess, 
I don't have too much of a like thought on this, to be honest with you. Like Daniel Norris is back. That's a cool story, I guess. Like, sure. But like Daniel Norris is not like playing for to be a part of the future rotation of this team. <laughs> like at it, like cool story. Uh, he didn't give up any runs. That that's great. He still made the like crazy athletic, like trying way too hard defensive pitcher plays that that Daniel Norris always made. Um, I, I mean, he was solid. Like it, it wasn't a bad outing at all. Didn't have swing and miss stuff, but that's not really unexpected. Um, and, and kept the other team off the scoreboard. So like props, I, I guess. Jason Foley comes in, looked really solid again. Alex Lang came in and did not look solid. One of his worst outings um, in uh, in recent memory for sure. Gave up the only two runs. The thing with Lang always comes back to command. It's always what it starts and ends with. And uh, the command was not there on this one, especially with the curveball, his best pitch. Just zero command with it. Uh, Willie Peralta then came in for the final inning. Walked two, struck out two. Again, Really worried about the fact that Willie Peralta is just walking everybody. Um, but uh, again, like it, it's almost the fact that this team is this bad really does a disservice for analysis because I'm like, okay, well, like Willie Peralta is a huge walk problem. We're 30 games under 500. The trade deadline's passed. Okay. Like he's just not going to be on the team next year if it's, if it continues to be a problem. And, and that's it. It's not like we're going to make a run at what if he fixes the issue. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so demoralizing. That's the word. It, it really is. The team being this bad is just so demoralizing. And especially, again, once you get past the trade deadline and everything, uh, performances, like poor performances don't even really uh, – you're just numb to them. It's like, okay, yeah, he's done what he's done all year. He has a couple of strikeouts, but he's had a couple of walks. We're not going to get him for trade bait because we can't trade him. Uh, he's on a one-year deal. Okay, like, if, if this just continues, he just won't be on the team next year. And this team is still going to lose over 100 this year, whether you like it or not. So that's really all it comes down to. Uh, so that would be Friday's game. Your ray of sunshine I am today. Then on Saturday, you lose 4-6. to six. Uh, It was 4-4 to four going into the 7th. And then the White Sox would pull away there at the end of the game. You would also randomly, uh, every ninth inning, they just like think they want to go on a rally and then they don't actually. It's actually very frustrating. I'm, I don't like it. it ta- either take those at-bats for nine innings or get us out of here in two hours. I'm, I'm, I don't need the fake rally, oh, but we're going to lose anyway every single ninth inning. I'm really over it. Um, I, I sound so cynical and like upset, but I... I don't, I don't know how you can't be like, this is, this is a absolute catastrophe of a season and it wasn't supposed to be 2019 who cared. You, you knew you were going to suck. Now you sucked really badly, but you knew it was going to be bad. This season wasn't supposed to be bad by everyone in and around the organization, including myself. Maybe that's why I'm upset. All right, um, Saturday, lost four to six. Lucas Giolito started. He's had a really weird year, um, and I think it has to do with his manager. I think Tony Larusa is just like obsessed with Lucas Giolito having to go seven plus innings every outing, uh, even if he's giving up like four, five, six runs. They're like, no, you are Lucas Giolito. You will pitch seven innings because Tony Larusa is just Tony Larusa. Um, 
say what you will about the Tigers, and it's all totally justified and warranted. Um, but this White Sox team is is I, I mean, and again, I, I know we just got swept by them. That's not an accomplishment. Like we, this team is is brutal for all the reasons we've been saying for weeks. Uh, this White Sox team is is not that good, and it's a team that myself included, I think everybody expected to just kind of like waltz their way into a division crown again. Um, however, here we are again. They have never won back-to-back division titles in the history of their franchise, and it looks like that's going to continue. So uh, that there you go. So <laughs> Chicago White Sox baseball right there. It's just like it, it's it's it, and I, I say this kind of as a, you know, I, I have a somewhat of a friendly maybe at times not so friendly rivalry with the White Sox uh fan base but it really is just baffling because this team has a ton of talent and should be way better than it is I don't think anyone will deny that uh that this is a a pretty big failure of a season for the Chicago White Sox too so we'll see what they do for the last month and a half of the year um on Saturday their offense woke up ours scored four runs which is the first time again that we had scored more than three runs runs in a week. So I guess that was an accomplishment, but uh, the offense still looked really, really poor. To be honest with you, there was a lot of strikeouts. There were not very many patient plate appearances. Uh, Four runs is not something you should be like having a parade for. And so like, it's still, it still wasn't a good day at the office. It just wasn't as bad as the last 10 games. I don't know. I'm just this team, man. We Matt Manning did start though. We got to talk about that. There was some noteworthy stuff in that one. Then we'll talk about Sunday's game too. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Follow, find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports. And golf, BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back to segment three here at a super positive episode of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, Matt Manning did start on Saturday. He would go five innings, 10 hits, four earned runs, one walk, and five Ks. This was maybe the weirdest performance of the season, uh, like straight up. Th- this is maybe the weirdest and and most confusing. Uh, not confusing because like I, I, I know what I saw, but it, it was weird because he showed flashes of really, really good pitching. Like his four seam topped out at 97 and the average fastball fastball velocity was 95, which is solid. I mean, this is a guy you have to remember when he was in the lower level of the minors, it was believed that he was going to be a mid mid nineties fastball, maybe even like 96 range fastball. And then he got to triple a, and that was still the belief. And then he got to the majors and he was topping out at like 91, 92 when everybody was like, what is going on? So to see him back from injury 
And in a full outing of 86 pitches, average a 95-mile-an-hour fastball is great to see and top out at 97. That was great. He had a couple of that, – that's almost two miles an hour more than his season average for his fastball velocity, by the way. Um, and the velocity was up on all of his pitches. His slider was, was uh, coming in really hot, but it, it was located hor- horrendously, which is why he only threw it eight times and it wasn't very effective. But um, – it was just, it was so weird because there were flashes of really, really solid pitching. But then there was 10 hits and full runs in five innings. But then the average exit velocity in a game in which 20 balls were put in play and 10 of them were hits was sub 90 miles an hour. So we had like decent barrel missing stuff and, and wasn't, you know, he still gave up quite a few barrels. He still got hit very hard at times. Um, uh, I think three or four balls at like a hundred ish or higher. So like he, he definitely got hit hard at times for sure, but like only one walk, what I, like it was just, it was confusing to me. I guess that is the word I want to use. It was just confusing to me. There were some at bats where I thought the setup was really good. Uh, like the change up low and away, like that was a really effective pitch, especially to lefties. He, he was, he, he was really taking advantage of that. It didn't really work the same. Uh, when he tried to go arm side to righties, it, it didn't really have the same effect. But the lefties, it, he got a couple of swings and misses, got a couple of strikeouts on it. Five strikeouts in five innings is not bad. You know, that's a 10K per nine um, or 9K per nine, rather. But it, it, it's just then there were some at bats where he would just throw a sinker right down the middle and it would break into the barrel of a bat. And you were like, OK, well, that like maybe don't do that. It was a very roller coaster of an outing is the word I want to use. It, it was a it was a very up and down. You're like, oh my goodness, that this dude has it. And then for the next two, three batters, you're like, what happened? That was atrocious. Like it was really a, a violent turn of, of, of ups and downs um for Manning. But I, I I think there is some good we can take from it. Like I said, that the strikeout numbers were not bad. He had 17 whiffs in five innings. That is phenomenal. For Matt Manning, uh, a dude that at times has really struggled to get swings and misses, 10 of those 17 came on the four-seam fastball. Really, really solid stuff to take from it. It's just as a whole, that final line is not going to jump off the page and really excite you. So, yeah. <laughs> Roller coaster of an outing. Really, really weird. Like, like I said, for my money, the weirdest outing by any pitcher this entire season. Very, very kind of confusing, but... There is a lot of good we can take from it. There's just also some some baggage there as well. It's got it's about consistency now. We've seen the flashes. It's about consistency. So there's your like probably as positive as we're gonna get on this episode, I guess. Um, on Sunday, Tigers lose three to five to the White Sox. Lance Lynn on the bump. Uh, this one is just same story, different day in the sense that we cannot hit. A four-seam fastball. We cannot hit any fastball. Fastballs will not be hit by the Detroit Tigers. We refuse. It's it's mind-boggling. I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. We already kind of spent the entire first segment talking about it. But it is truly mind-boggling how they just can't hit four-seam fastballs. This one, 47 of 88 pitches. That's still over 50% of Lance Lynn's pitches were four-seam fastballs. He had 11 whiffs. A 38% CSW percentage, which is very good. It's just not the 50 because that's like absolutely absurd. 
38 is still incredibly good for a CSW percentage. Uh, and seven balls put in play of 47 thrown on the four seam. The average exit velocity uh, on a pitch that was averaging almost 94 miles an hour, the average exit velo on the four seam fastball was 71.8 miles an hour. I, there you go. If you can't hit a four-seam fastball, you're not going to score runs, and you're not going to hit homers, and this team does none of that. So pretty self-explanatory stuff in that regard. Um, Riley Green had a knock in this one. That's always good. His OPS, 635. Still need a, a – starting to get into a territory where I need a little bit more patience, and the biggest thing is we just need that power stroke to come, a 343 slugging percentage. It's just now what we're used to seeing from him. But his approach at the plate is still comfortably the best on the team. Like, it's not even really remotely close. And the fact that you have to rely on, like, pretty much the only way this offense scores these days is if Javi is is riding a hot streak, which this weekend he was because he loves playing in Chicago. Um, But it's really like, is Riley Green going to get on base? Is Hinton Harold going to hit a single? And then is Eric Haas going to be able to hit the ball hard and get a double or a homer to score Harold and or Riley Green, depending on how the lineup's constructed that day? That's pretty much it. That's like the extent of this offense. And when those three things don't happen, this team doesn't score runs. Um, Javi was, in fact, on a heater, though. And uh, Harold Castro did go yard. So that's good for Sunday. But it's really, you still lost. So whatever. Um, Tyler Alexander started this game. Huh. I was very impressed. I, I don't know why I sighed like I was disappointed. This was a really solid outing from Tyler Alexander. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm just, this team just makes me sigh. Five innings, six hits, three earned runs, three walks, two Ks. I know on a service level that that's not the greatest stat line ever. And, and I'm not trying to make this out to be some, you know, masterclass start. But Tyler Alexander is really good at missing barrels and not getting hit hard. He's not super good at missing bats. He had nine whiffs in five innings. That's not bad, but, you know, two Ks. He, he's not he, – he doesn't put on masterclass performances of, of missing bats, and, and except for that one glorious day where he tied an AL record for consecutive strikeouts. Besides that day in 2020 – uh, for the most part, he's a pitch-to-contact guy. And I thought, especially in the first, I guess this is probably a better way to put it, in the first four innings, he was really, really effective at not getting hit very hard. And then the fifth inning came around, and yes, he did get hit pretty hard. And then Cody Clemens forgot how to catch a baseball, and he's a major league player. And like I understand a lot of people have been clamoring to get Cody Clemens you know, some more at bats and, and and everything. Like he's got a 473 OPS and and really isn't super effective defensively anywhere. Like it's it's and, and like maybe you still should, probably should give him some at bats. Honestly, like may, maybe you still should because I, see what you have in people. I, like I, I want Kerry Carpenter to start the rest of the season. Got his first major league hit, by the way. Always a cool moment, no matter how bad the team is. Uh, no matter how bad the situation is within the clubhouse, whatever. First first career hits are always special. Very cool that his family was there. So, and he got a, a walk too. Was it called third strike? Probably should have been, but he got a walk nonetheless. Scored his first career run. 
and got his first major league hit all on Saturday. So shout out to Kerry Carpenter. Um, the, I, I do want to talk about him too, but it, it's just as a whole, man, I like, I guess from here on out, you just give people at bats that you think might have a chance to be on the team long-term. Is that just like what you do? I don't know. I don't know. If I had a solution, uh, I'd be working for a team. And uh, and the, and if anybody had a solution, this team wouldn't be one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. Kerry Carpenter is what I want to end the show on. Um, I know a lot of people, like the, the hype of him is already being deflated very, very quickly because uh, he has not looked very good. I, I just want to say, I, I watched a lot of Kerry Carpenter at the minor league level. This is not his approach at the plate. And I don't know if it's just like you put on the old English D and then you you just join the rest of the team in your hitting approach or if it's it, most likely it's just the nerves and like that that kind of monkey on your back of not having your first hit yet. There, there's, I, you know, I, I don't know the kid and I, I don't know what's causing him to, to take the at-bats that he's taking. But I can promise you at the minor league level, he looked way calmer took way more pitches especially in triple a and uh and was not nearly this giddy and this like swing happy at 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 pitches and i i hope that he got his first major league hit and then he had the day off on sunday maybe he can relax a little bit and find a groove and and everything and and that's my hope but it's just it makes total sense given the state of the season that like somebody that's been crushing the ball gets called up and then just turns into everybody else on the team. It's like, it's a curse. Um, but I am holding out hope that, that maybe again, I'm, I'm not expecting him to put up on a thousand OPS. Like he wasn't in, in the minors this year, but I am expecting a, a little bit more obviously than what he's been giving us, which is not a lot. So I'm hoping that he can get into a little bit of a groove here, maybe be a bright spot on a season because uh, I, I got a negative rev- review the other day couple of weeks ago oh, i don't know whenever it was um because i you know, somebody said i was too negative and i was just like i look i'm i'm sorry I, i'm not sure this season maybe has literally zero bright spots like the only positive storylines were like the bullpen i guess but even then like you probably should have traded some of them and then Tarek Skubal, and now he's shut down for the year. And we've talked about, like, Fetter ha- has made this team decent at pitching, and, like, we've talked about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's just very difficult to watch this team every day and, and just come out of the other side after the game and be, like, a ray of positivity. <laughs> it's, very, it's very difficult to do that. Um, and I have a lot of respect for the people that do. And, um, yeah. So there's your weekend recap. Uh, we went over time, my fault, but we always do on Mondays at this point. So you should just kind of expect it. We got a lot of games to talk about. Um, yeah, very, very frustrating team. Very, very frustrating weekend. Thanks for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every day. And I'll make your second listen. The Lockdown MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts, just like us.
Okay. I think that's all I got. Um, we got a doubleheader tomorrow. Uh, today, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Monday, got a doubleheader Monday uh, against, I think, Cleveland again, back in town. So, or not back in town. You get what I'm trying to say. We're playing Cleveland again. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, 30 games under 500, one and nine in our last 10, two homers in the last eight games, um, seven game losing streak. It's the dog days, baby. It's the dog days. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I will catch y'all tomorrow. Hopefully recapping some wins. Hopefully. Go Tigers, baby.